Welcome to That's So Random with me, Constance Fields. Tonight, I'm really excited to have my special guest be my husband, DeAndre Fields. DeAndre is a probation officer and he's also a professor at a couple of universities. And tonight, we're going to just chit chat about life as a parent, life as a millennial parent, life as a black parent. So, welcome, DeAndre. Hey, Constance. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm super excited to be on that so random. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, just having this conversation. Thank you. (laughs) So tell me, I know this, but tell our audience a bit about what your thoughts were growing up uh, around having children. Did you want to have children? So growing up, um, I actually did not want to have children. And uh, part of the reason why is because, you know, I grew up in the North. Um, you know, I was born in Philly, raised in New York. Uh, people automatically think, oh, you lived in New York City. Uh, but I wasn't in New York City. I was in upstate New York, a small town called Utica. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, uh, I did not want to have kids because, you know, my upbringing was, you know, pretty, pretty rough and it had some challenges and, you know, I, I just felt like, you know, having ch- children, I never really wanted them to be a part of, you know, the, you know, or have the s- kinds of experiences that I had. So that was probably my reasoning for not wanting to have kids. I can understand that. I, I know that a lot of people who I have in my friend circle who are not parents have this idea well, why would I want to bring a child into this world with all the chaos and all of the stuff that's happening? And to be honest, as millennials, we've had to live through a lot of different uh, once-in-a-lifetime events, major happenings, oh, yeah, chaos, all kinds of things. Um, and if I can just jump in, I mean, you know some of the different types of events that we live through that are iconic such as like 9-11 mm-hmm. I mean, again once in a generation type events yeah but also our generation as millennials we you know essentially birthed the school shootings mm. um and you know that again that kind of ties into you know my career to an extent but it, it we 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 kicked that off yeah um there wasn't anything there was no such thing as you uh, school shootings back in, you know, the 70s and, you know, the baby boomer generation or the, you know, Generation X or whatever, our parents' generations. But for us, you know, Columbine, which even today with all the other school shootings that have happened, Columbine is still kind of the gold standard of school shootings. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, both of us, we were, you know, this is uh, 1999, so we were you know, what, you know, 10th grade when Columbine happens. Yeah, I think we were in ninth grade. But yeah, I I mean, I I see what you're saying and the point that you're making there. And the decision to have children for millennials, uh, you know, it can be, for some of us, a surprise. It can be something you plan out and it could be something that you decide not to do at all. Um, For me, I, I always wanted children. I I knew that I wanted to be a mom 
um, probably when I was a teenager, not that I wanted to be a teenage mom. Okay, let me just make that clear. But <laughs> I knew I wanted to be a mom. I had names picked out. Gabriella was number one on my list. <laughs> and uh, that is not one of our children's names, <laughs> but that was number one on my list. And I knew that even with all of the things that we were experiencing, that that was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to love this person that would come into my life and help shape them into being the best adults they can be and the most well-rounded person they could be. Little did I know that it would be as much work as it's been, (laughs) you know, um, being a millennial parent to a teenager and a preteen is a world in its own. It's a, it's a whole, it's like a different planet. Yeah, it is because, you know, children to today, um, you know, they are exposed to so much more than what we had to deal with oh, for sure. as millennials. And then being millennial parents, we are having to walk a very fine line where, you know, we, we have to be their parent. But again, a lot of things I'll say can tie to my work. But you also have those parents who want to be their friend. Yeah. And it's it becomes very challenging to, you know, parent a child when they've seen you as their friend. Mm-hmm. They, they may want to talk to you like their friend or treat you like their friend but you're still their parent. And so with that being said, uh, yeah, it, it is a, it is a major challenge. It is a, it, it, there's no easy guide. There's no clear cut right or wrong way to do it, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, landmines you yeah. have to navigate. Now I'm curious, uh, how you consciously decide how you're going to parent and not, apply what you do for work because you tell the audience what you actually do for work and and why i would ask that kind of question yeah so just like you said in the intro uh, i'm a probation officer and i've been a probation officer for uh well here here in georgia i've been a probation officer for you know three going on four years but i you know have that former law enforcement slash probation officer experience in Florida. Uh, So, you know, I I have roughly almost 10 years of experience as a probation officer. And so for, for me, you know, when I'm dealing with, you know, juvenile offenders, you know, I have to enforce the court order, uh, give them instructions, give them verbal commands, you know, but on the other hand, if they get sassy or mouthy, you know, correct them. But I can't put my hands on them. Mm-hmm. I don't have any, you know, methods of, you know, trying to take them down. I just say, yeah, go ahead. Have that same behavior when I violate your probation, you go back to court. Mm-hmm. Or I, you know, get a warrant and then lock you up. So, I mean, with, as a parent, rather, you know, if you experience that kind of sass or perceived sass then you know your instinct is to correct it Mm -hmm. but you also don't want to immediately go to uh you know i i want to 
<laughs> hold on a minute. I'm about to put my hands on you. You don't yeah. want to go. You don't want to go that route either. So it it does. It is quite the juggling act, and it is quite the balancing act because you know you can look at your own kids and say, yeah, the kids are gonna be kids. They're gonna test the waters a little bit, or they're going to, you know, say something that's gonna bother you a little bit, but. When you see that in comparison to what I deal with as a probation officer, it's like night and day <laughs> because the kids probably about 90 to 95 percent of what I deal with. They don't have that discipline structure or lack of respect. Mm-hmm. They don't have that. So how do you keep yourself from looking at your own kids or our own kids as uh, not part of your work? Like for me as a therapist... I will be honest and say sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes I want to therapize the kids. Sometimes I want to, you know, be like, okay, if I talk to them this way, then this might be the outcome. And I put on my therapist hat, but I can't therapize the kids because they're not my client. And so I have to adjust how I think and how I respond because they are our kids, you know? They're not my client. Right, right. And it's the same for me. Like, they're not my probationers. Uh, So, whereas with my probationers, I'll have more small talk. If I don't get much out of them, you know, it is what it is. I mean, a little bit I get is as good as it'll get. But with our kids, it's it's remembering that there are kids. So, you know, their well-being, their thoughts, their concerns are you know, extremely important in, 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 you know, putting them in a position where they do have to talk. Cause I know this generation, they, you know, they're the digital generation, mm-hmm. social media generation. So right. they'd much rather, you know, be on their phone or on some electronic device, as opposed to where our generation, we really had to learn how to communicate and talk to people. We, we absolutely, and I do that. I do a lot of talking for a living. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, for, for, for me, I'd say just making sure that, uh, you know, they have a voice, mm-hmm. making sure they can be, they understand that they could be heard. Um, but, but also, you know, trying to use a, a different tone. I mean, I naturally have a more authoritarian type tone, mm-hmm. um, but, but just trying to, you know, you know, work on being calmer, work on being more gentle and, you know, mm-hmm. um, just, you know, really, really taking the time to see how they're doing as opposed to with my probationers is more service level. Yeah. I love what you said about making sure that the kids have a voice because that's not something that I felt like I had when I was growing up. I don't know about you, but or any of our listeners, but, um, you know, growing up, I, we were both 80s child, uh, 80s children. DeAndre and I actually have the same birth date. Uh, fun fact, <laughs> we are both 83 babies with the same month and day. But growing up, I, I never felt like I had the space to communicate my feelings. I I didn't have the tools to to know how to effectively or feel safe enough to share if something bothered me. I would just bottle a bottle it up or internalize it or take it out 
on my pillow in my room, like punching my pillow <laughs> or screaming at at the the, the pillow. <laughs> well, definitely, you know, in our generation of growing up and based on how we were raised, you know, you you you, necess- you didn't necessarily have much of a voice. You didn't have much of a, you know, an, an opinion, at least not you know where it mattered with like your parents or whatnot yeah. you know we we do give you know our kids a a, a chance to express themselves and mm-hmm. especially with our daughter she's she's uh very much an an advocate very much vocal she's always been that way mm-hmm. even when she was really 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 young you know i i have vivid me- rem- mem- vivid memories of you know, being in a theater and they'll be like, okay, does anybody have any questions? And you can always count on her having one or two questions. <laughs> and they're not silly questions. They're yeah. meaningful, like, you know, uh, poignant questions mm-hmm. on whatever was being discussed. So with that being said, yeah, I think it's important to, you know, let the children remember that they do have a voice. They, they, you know, can be heard. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they run the show it doesn't mean that they (laughs) be like no i'm not doing this and it's like oh okay sure that no that's never gonna fly um but at least they understand that they can voice their opinion and they can feel safe and comfortable enough to do it without any repercussion or you know any type of negative uh consequence or ramifications mm-hmm. so what's your thought on gentle parenting gentle parenting yeah do you know what that is no okay so forgive me if i'm not defining it properly but from what i understand about gentle parenting it's this new age type of parenting where you you don't raise your voice at your children you talk to them in a manner that's like um you know, the the consequences of their actions are not as great as it would be in other parenting styles. Um, you're you're teaching them other ways or alternative ways of being or thinking or existing in the world, and it's kind of like uh, a, a TikTok I saw of a a woman who was allowing her child to drink uh, a milkshake and the child spilled the milk and you know immediately my internal reaction was oh no we got to clean that up like you know but for her it was like uh oh you know it's all right like we'll get to it it's no it's no big deal um i know in some families some parents may have reacted really harshly and been like, you know, watch what you're doing or you you know, you're, you're making a mess or, you know, it would have been an immediate trigger, um, which I do want to put a point in that and say uh, that I believe that children are placed in our lives to teach us lessons and they can trigger things in us to um, help us grow and learn from different experiences that we have that we've had mm-hmm. in our life but in a nutshell that's kind of what gentle parenting is like you don't you don't raise your voice at your children you you keep your your anger and your frustration in check you allow them to 
just be? Well, you know, I I think that that is a, I, I think that's a great, it could be a great, um, you know, parenting technique. It's just, to me, it's something that you would have had to try super early on mm-hmm. in the child's life because, you know, I know that I don't have that, you know, and I'll be very upfront and honest about it. And to just instinctively start to do that, mm-hmm. it, it, it definitely would be like, this is definitely foreign. I mean, it's not it's to say it's not possible, but I just it would feel uncomfortable. it would feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And... You know, again, I, I, I think that approach probably works a little bit better and easier with when the ch- child is very young. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and because it'll be more natural to carry it on as the child gets older. Right. You know, but right. I think to do it now, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, I, it, it definitely sounds like it's something that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Certainly, it could be worth a shot to try but I just think most people's instincts are oh you know we we made a mess you know um, yes we gotta clean it up but you know how big is the mess (laughs) (laughs) right right and you know I I may not have defined that properly to a T but that was what I've understood of it Um, I want to kind of shift a little bit and in our last little segment here, talk about what you feel life is like being a black parent. Um, as an African-American parent to African-American children, you know, we are faced with different challenges than other other families out there who are not black. Yeah. And those challenges are layered they come with fear they come with anxiety they come with a certain level of knowledge that we have to impart on our children early and often so what's your take on being a black father well you know there is there's always the there's always the uh, the the mindset that you know as a black father with black children you know they have to walk a slightly different path um compared to you know other children mm-hmm. and what i mean by that is is that there's things that they can't do in public or if there are things that they do do, um, you know, they're not going to get the same benefit of the doubt, Mm -hmm. you know? And so again, a a lot of tonight ties into what I do and hopefully I can come back on the show and share some more. Yeah. Um, but you know, even my mindset from my law enforcement days with the sheriff's office to probation, like for me, even as a black parent, a black dad, if I see a bunch of black boys walking around, instinctively, I think, are they up to no good? Mm. And that's a bad thing to have. Yeah. Certainly, it's 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 not ideal, and it's a mindset that I do pray that one day I can completely break. But I also look at it through the prism of, as a black parent, 
I don't think I could be comfortable with my black son and some of his black friends just unsupervised walking around in a mall. Yeah. Unsupervised walking around in a Walmart. Unsupervised walking around, you know, down the street. Like, I need to be there. And again, I know that might feel a little bit like hovering and almost like helicopter-like. Mm-hmm. But at least I know that if I'm present or they have some other figure there that is with them, there is a level of relief because I know that if I can think that as a probation officer and I'm black, what are other ethnicities going to think who may not be probation officers or who just may be just normal, regular people and they see two, three, four, five black boys minding their own business, walking and talking together, do they think those boys are up to no good? So as a parent, yes, it is... That's always something that you have to keep in the back of your mind. And I do feel like, you know, um, I do think that we sometimes neglect that when it comes to our black girls, too. Mm -hmm. I think we often overlook them, but they also have that same type of uh, fine line that they have to walk as well. Um, Because when you see a bunch of black girls together, what do you start thinking? Are they loud? Are they ready to fight? Are they, you know, unruly? Um, those are those negative stereotypes that sometimes people try to bestow upon them. And when you say, what do you start thinking? Are you are you referring to like society as a whole, like the culture of how white people or other ethnicities view our black children? Yes, yes. I, I do think society views them that way. Yeah. Um, I... You know, I, I, I did, uh, and I want to say it could have been in my criminology class a couple of years ago, but, you know, we were talking about uh, certain types of stereotypes and, 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 and just what do we see when we look at certain types of images. And so I have posed, uh, I posted a picture of like, you know, four younger, you know, teenage, a teenage uh, age uh black boys and it looked like they were in a mall and Mm -hmm. i just kind of just put the picture up with no context and said you know what do you see and so some of the students said yeah i i I see some black boys it looked like they could just be coming from a sporting event but other students thought well could they be up to no good i mean you know even though this picture we don't have much context but could they be up to no good so it's just society can look at a situation and many different people can have a different uh, opinion mm-hmm. on the situation yeah. without having much information. Yeah, and I think for me as a black mother, um, I come at it from a perspective of if I see a group of black children, boys or girls walking down the street together, I'm looking at it from a protective standpoint. Like I want to protect them and make sure that the perception is not there, that they are up to no good. I want to protect them and make sure that they are safe getting to where they're going. And so that motherly uh, maternal instinct kicks in for me. And so when we talk about our own children, you know, I have a, I have a story that um, I've shared before, but I'll share with the audience that you know, when my son was probably about seven, we were living in Florida 
and we had gone to a grocery store. Now he was just fooling around with his sister and pretended like he put something in his pocket. We were at the checkout line and I didn't know he was pretending. So I turned to him and I said, put it back. You put that back. And he was like, I don't have anything, mom. Like, I don't have anything, mommy. And when we got into the car, I remember being so upset that I was crying and I was telling him how he can't do that. I said, you can't even pretend like you put something in your pocket. And, you know, he may have been too young to understand this concept. He, in fact, started crying and told me that he was crying because he felt like he understood I loved him so much. But I was telling him, you are a black boy. They will only see a, a black boy put this in his pocket. Like, that's what they will see. And... You know, at, like I said at the time when I was expressing all that, it may have been too high level for him. I may not have expressed it appropriately for his age, but I was so upset and scared and I'd never been in that kind of situation before um, that I, I felt like I just had to, it just all, all came out. And then with our daughter, you know, um, it, if, with her, it's been a... I want to protect you from and shield you from people viewing you sexually, you know, people viewing you as, you know, this um, more mature and older than you are because society has notoriously viewed our black daughters as hypersexual or more sexualized and, um, you know, curvy and, and all these things more developed. And so they are not awarded or afforded the same kind of grace or understanding as other ethnicities. Yeah. You know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? No, uh, I, I definitely agree. And even with, you know, what, what happened with our, you know, our son at that age and I, I wasn't there um, but I remember you telling the story, you know, again, if if society sees him as, you know, a troubled person, um, you know, that's that's going to be something that's going to be hard to, to break, mm-hmm. you know. And again, he's going to always have things he's going to have to deal with, no matter how sweet and kind and gentle he may be, he's always going to have people viewing him in a certain light just because of who he is and how he was born in terms of his you know ethnicity and Mm -hmm. then again like you said with our daughter yeah I mean I know that black women have always had to deal with that Mm -hmm. and there's there's way too many documentaries and shows out there uh which talks about that you know that hypersexualization and the overall perception of our black girls and even black women and how they're they're viewed so yeah no, no all, all we want to do as parents as is, is try to provide them a level of protection but more importantly we want them to you know make it and be able to navigate through this cruel world because mm-hmm. the world is very cruel it's very cruel. yeah i mean i i would agree with all that i want our kids to be able to frolic <laughs> and at the same time be aware of what's around them. 
Um, so I have really enjoyed this conversation tonight. I, I'm so excited that you said yes to coming on the show. We we hemmed and hawed about when and what topic and this and that. So um, I look forward to you coming on another show and, and maybe we can talk about marriage and how we've been able to make it work and h- how we met when we were 19 and never quit loving each other basically so (laughs) so um i look forward to to that next time let us know what you thought about this episode um what what is life like for you as a parent are you a millennial parent are you um, a, a different generation of a parent what's your parenting style and if you're a black parent what's been your experience and what's your take on our thoughts we'd love to hear from you Uh, But until next time, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for listening.